This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. Good morning. This is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. I'm Sandy Hunt. And, and I'm, I'm Cheryl Coleman. And we are excited to have you with us, listeners. Um, we are live here every Thursday morning from 8 to 10 a.m. and then replayed throughout the week. You can hop on the Sirius XM app and listen to our show. So we're going to jump in this morning uh, with our first guest who's here with us in studio, Pedro Ramos. He's the president and CEO of the Philadelphia Foundation. Good morning. For those of our listeners who are not in Philadelphia and familiar with your great work, can you give us a quick summary of what the foundation is and does? The Philadelphia Foundation is uh, Philadelphia, Greater Philadelphia's community foundation. Uh, it's different than a private foundation in that it's really made up of charitable funds by, set up by people uh, during their lifetimes and through their estates for the benefit of the community. And we've been around for 99 years um, and manage over 1,000 charitable funds. Uh, we also help uh, – we, we carry out the intentions of people who've uh, left funds behind as well as work with living philanthropists to, uh, make, to help them achieve their impact goals on, in their philanthropy. And we've uh, recently undertaken the role of sort of a civic institution as well uh, to have a vo- have a, an informed voice in the community and uh, uh, to be able to bring together people across sectors to pursue solutions uh, to opportunities and, and challenges in the greater Philadelphia area. Great. Well, Pedro, thanks for being with us. And our second guest here in our live first segment is Andy Racklin, the Managing Director for Lending and Investment at the Reinvestment Fund. Good morning, Andy. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. So same question for our listeners who aren't familiar. Can you give us a little summary of what the Reinvestment Fund is and does? Sure. We're um, essentially an impact fund, an impact investment fund, uh, headquartered here in Philadelphia. Been around about 30-plus years. Um, and our primary work, as you know, that suggests, is using capital to create change in communities with a focus particularly on um, increasing opportunity in low-income communities and um, financing projects that support environmental sustainability, clean energy focus stuff mainly. And you, you've had a focus on food for a while too. We've had a focus on food for a long time. Um, so we've worked a lot on financing supermarkets and production facilities and distribution facilities, again, mostly serving low-income communities or food deserts. Excellent. So you guys have something in common. Um, you are working together on the Phila Impact Fund. a lot fund. in common. <laughs> <laughs> um, most notably to me, you have uh, the, Phil- the Phila Impact Fund, a $30 million fund targeted, I think, $5 million in from each of your organizations. This is an exciting development. Pedro, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about um, why you saw the need for this project and why, why you guys got involved? Well, the uh, Philadelphia Foundation, as, as I mentioned, has been around for a long time mm-hmm. and has the benefit of having a strong balance sheet and and uh, amazing mission of, of stewardship as well as deploying philanthropic assets in the community. And we've been uh, working with our board to – uh, expand our impact work, including the use of our uh, uh, endowment and mm-hmm. the opportunity to create uh, 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 vehicles by which uh, philanthropic fund holders could also uh, pursue impact uh, directly in their work. 
so as we, we, we knew that we didn't want to invent the wheel. We were looking for a good partner for doing that. And we were fortunate in, in the greater Philadelphia area to have headquartered here a reinvestment fund uh, that we as an organization were very familiar with, uh, particularly their track record and, and where uh, I've uh, been very familiar with their work even longer and uh, with the work of, of their uh, leaders. Um, so it was really, a, you know, from our perspective, the smartest business decision for the first step in in uh, impact. We're we're a, a, a place based uh, funder and a place based philanthropic organization. So we wanted to uh, uh, find a partner that also was very focused on place. So this cre- gave it created an opportunity for us to create a Philadelphia area fund. Uh, to uh, finance uh, the type of organizations that we support through our grant making. And this is a first-of-its-kind collaboration, uh, as I understand it, between a you know, community foundation and an asset manager. Um, Andy, can you talk to us a little bit about what that looks like, what it meant to you guys to launch this vehicle? Sure, absolutely. And, you know, it's the first-of-its-kind here. Uh, there have been a couple of these springing up around the country. So, you know, I want to give credit where credit's due. Um, you know, there's been Benefit Chicago in Chicago, which is a somewhat similar collaboration, and a few others around the country. So this is something that uh, simultaneous to us thinking about it, some other folks are starting to think about it as well, a bit of a movement. Um, and I think, you know, the important thing in the impact investment space more broadly is that, uh, you know, for a long time, if you wanted to be an impact investor – you sort of had two choices, right? You could buy some funds that had some sort of negative screen securities mm-hmm. in them. Right. So they'd say, okay, no tobacco, no oil, whatever it removing is your negative the, screen the is, sin right? Stocks, as exactly. They are removing the sin stocks. So you could do that. Or you could essentially become an angel investor right. in your own community and um, you either had to have an enormous appetite for risk or you had to know how to do that as a profession, right? Yeah. So, and for our listeners who aren't familiar, angel investing is, you know, it's early stage investments. Maybe one out of 10 is going to be successful. Exactly. One, one out of 10 if you're lucky. Yeah, right? you're doing one a ton of, of leg work. Job. Yep. Right. So you, you essentially had to either become a in, impact investment money manager for yourself full time or you had to do this thing that was very light touch, um, that was basically, like you said, just kind of removing sin stocks from your portfolio. And there wasn't a lot in between. And as the impact investment community has matured, one of the things they've realized is there needs to be the same range of opportunities for investment in the impact investment space that there are in the regular investment space. Um, And that same curve of risk and return and the same opportunities to have People who do this for a living do it for you so that you can go to your day job and be a dentist or whatever. And um, this, to us, is one of those steps along that road of providing, um, you know, asset management services like a regular asset manager, but with that sort of dual focus on the bottom line and on impact. And we really do try to pay attention to both. So on the finance side, you know, Reinvestment Fund is an S&P AA-rated financial institution. And on the impact investment side, we're tracking uh, the quantitative and qualitative impacts of every dollar and report, you know, part of this fund is that we'll be reporting back to our investors on those as well as the the financial returns. So it is trying to bring um, that sense of, you know, adding to the spectrum of products available for for investors to to mirror the sort of broader investment world and bringing that dual focus on, um, you know, 
financial competency and impact competency. And, and Andy, one of the things that I, I think I've heard you talk about the, the need to expand the, the funding opportunities and financial I only options. have so many stories to tell. I'm not that interesting. <laughs> um, but I think it's an important one because you're right. Otherwise, you've got just a very limited options and there's not a range of, of interest and, and funding available for that. When... When people are thinking about the social entrepreneurs, it's easy to get excited, right? Because you've got this mm-hmm. this sort of really compelling person, and they've got a great story, and they'll give examples, and you get caught up in kind of in the inspiration. I think that's often true with nonprofits as well, Pedro. But so, Andy, when you're talking about some of the stuff that you're financing, supermarkets and and distribution centers, doesn't that sound dull? I mean, how do you build the impact case for that and make that um, important and exciting for people who are perhaps used to being a little bit closer to their their investments, either charitable or uh, uh, investment capital? Well, so for a lot of people, no. I mean, that's actually not a particular challenge that we have because the things that we build are really tangible to people. Mm-hmm. So people understand like, oh, like I love going to my f- f- lots of fresh food available um you know, lots of diversity in the, my choices, supermarket in my neighborhood, everyone should have that. And it's exciting to me that I can be part of making sure that everyone does have that, right? So there's a tangibility to the kind of things that we invest in that that does communicate pretty mm-hmm, readily. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, the, the, the local part of this fund was really important to us that, you know, sometimes people care about issues. I care about education. Mm-hmm. I care about healthcare, whatever. But a lot of times people care about place. I care about place, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Philadelphian and I care about this place and I want to see things happen here. And the notion that my money can go to work here is part of what's important to me. And it's a huge part of the value add of and, what we're providing here. And, and, and certainly that was a great appeal uh, for the Philadelphia Foundation because we are local. We're uh, working in the five southeast Pennsylvania counties and two southern Jersey counties. Um, and it was a and so the the philanthropists that that come to us are interested in their community. It's by definition what 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 draws what draws people uh, to us. Uh, so it was a chance to not just involve our endowment, uh, but a chance to uh, deepen the conversation with our living donors about different ways of benefiting the community and the work that reinvestment fund does. The work that. This fund, the Phila Impact Fund, enables is uh, really work that philanthropy, you know, couldn't and shouldn't do. The fact that there's a way of fi- financing these projects in a way and leveraging philanth- uh, philanthropic assets in this way to in a uh, in, into a market and uh, enabling these uh, uh, projects to happen uh, to meet community needs is really exciting to organizations like like ours. Uh, that are that are very tuned into what uh, philanthropists are, are trying to uh, accomplish today, and what we, as a longtime community institution, feel it's our job to do. Yeah, and I want to remind our listeners that you are listening to Dollars and Change here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We're having a great conversation about investing in Philadelphia, and I would like. So here's some Philly pride. I'm here. Some people you could do the Eagles chant. You'd ask a question. Um, Are you asking our guest to do it or a caller? <laughs> a caller or a producer or uh, over there or sound engineer. But uh, give us a call at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. If you want to jump into the conversation, 
Um, so we're talking about, you know, Andy, you made the great point. A lot of folks are passionate about specific issues, you know, food insecurity or housing. But a lot of folks just say, I want this city to be better. And they're happy to direct their capital to a fund that knows what it's doing, a collaboration with a hundred-year-old foundation that really knows Philadelphia's needs. So how do you measure impact? You know, what are your investors looking for when it comes to tracking the impact? And if they are sort of sector agnostic and they just care about place, how do you how do you tell the story of um, what difference this capital is making in Philly? Sure. So there, there are two things that we do. Um, for every investment, we're recording uh, certain metrics, right? If it's a housing investment, it's how many units, how big are they, therefore how many people can kind of comfortably live in them, and at what income level are they affordable, right? So that's kind of the metric mm-hmm. for, for housing. For fresh food, it's uh, based on where a, um, a a store or a distribution facility is located, what population is it serving, and what access to that to fresh food would that population have without that store, mm-hmm. right? Is it additive to the access of to fresh food? So those are the kind of metrics we track up front. Then one of the things that, you know, if I can brag a little, I think is special about reinvestment fund is that we have, um, alongside our investment function, we actually have a a very deep research function um, that both functions Mm. as an external consulting firm for other organizations that do policy research and that does analysis of our own investments. So they'll do actual, um, I mean, these are, you know, PhD and master's level researchers, economists, sociologists, statisticians, they'll do... um, long-term analyses of the impact of our work on a deeper basis. So, Such as? For example, a really neat one that they did recently was um, they looked at the economic effects of financing scattered site affordable housing, which is something that we'd focused on. So hmm. rather than putting 40 units all in one place. A different neighbor. Yeah. yeah. Um, filling in uh, infill where there was you know a unit or two missing on a block here and a unit or two missing on a block here. The build 40 units in one place has been the more dominant historical model. We'd focused on that scattered site model, and they actually did some deep analysis comparing um, places where the 40-unit work had been done and the scattered site unit had been done, and they found that there were pretty significant additive spinoff effects in terms of um, economic and also social effects of the scattered sites, uh, basically because it knits neighborhoods back together rather than, than fixing one spot. Right. So that's the kind of long-term analysis that they can do that we, and we, we sort of put both out there to be public. So the impact's been extraordinary. And one of the things that the partnership uh, enabled us to do besides, besides creating this uh, Philadelphia area focused fund, regionally focused fund was to uh, create a way for uh, uh, people who have donor advised funds to invest uh-huh. uh, in, in, uh, in this type of product. So, uh, through a, you know, we we designed a donor advised fund at the Philadelphia Foundation specifically to invest in this fund, so that um, you get a very tax efficient way of deploying a greater amount of your assets into the impact fund because you're getting a tax deduction because the earnings are not being recognized because they're in a charitable fund. Uh, you're able to make grants from the from the earnings, and when the loan's paid, you're able to then redeploy the. Uh, the, yeah, the, the funds in your account either to make grants or to go to another impact fund. Uh, so it so it's become a way. It's you know continuing to just leverage, uh, get maximum leverage and maximum efficiency in how capital is deployed right back into one's own uh, community. And Pedro, I know these. This is a, a relatively new fund. I don't know how long you've been planning it, but you really just announced it 
several weeks ago. So mm-hmm. it's it's really new. It's still very exciting to make it happen. So if I'm a, let's say I'm going to have a donor advised fund with you to support this initiative, what kinds of things are you going to invest in? Do you have a sense of that yet? Well, this fund is being created specifically to invest in what Andy's mm-hmm, the fund mm-hmm. that Andy's talking about, the Fellow Impact Fund. So uh, it is, you know, the big thing for us is that it's uh, re- their projects in 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 the in the metropolitan area uh, that are uh, uh, you know often for infrastructure for uh, for social sector organizations. Um, because of uh, reinvestment funds mission, we know that it's lining up with our mission. <clears throat> it couldn't be sort of you know couldn't hit on more cylinders mm-hmm. and, than than uh, than it does, and it and it activates new capital. I mean, it, and it already has uh, because um, not only do you get terrific report, but you can get in your car, get on the subway. And go look, and go see the impact mm-hmm. very directly. But do you have a, a idea of a first investment yet that you're going to do? Or yeah, we have a, a couple of uh, of investments that we think are, are going to wind up uh, as sort of part of the fund. Um, one of them is uh, a really neat project that uh, Pedro was actually involved with in a couple of other ways as well in the Philadelphia Foundation. Um, there's this organization called First Step Staffing. And um, they're run by a, a really fascinating entrepreneur from Atlanta named Greg Block, who basically looked at staffing companies, which mm-hmm. are essentially machines for putting people in jobs. Right. And right. he said, that's a social function if you do it right. So, um, you know, he comes from a background of being an, an entrepreneur and a private equity executive. So uh, he did what those guys do. He raised a fund, and this was in Atlanta, and he used that fund to buy a for-profit staffing company, converted it into a nonprofit, and essentially took the profit margin instead of, you know, distributing it to an owner, he reinvested it in the nonprofit and used it to provide social and support services so that the staffing company was able to focus on employing the hardest to employ people. They were pulling people out of homelessness and, um, you know, moving them into jobs uh, with extraordinary, extraordinary results. One of the first things that that we're financing um, is, and this has actually already already happened, is... uh, they, they wanted to expand to new cities. The model was successful in Atlanta. They wanted to bring it other places. They had a lot of support from the Philadelphia homeless services community um, and incredible leaders like Sister Mary Scullion to come here and be additive to what was already happening yeah. on the ground here. And so we financed their acquisition of a for-profit staffing company here and its conversion into a nonprofit. Um, and it's going incredibly well. And interestingly enough, yesterday it was the signature event it was the uh, main point of discussion of our regional chambers meeting up in North Philadelphia about uh, employing non-traditional employees, a full room of business people listening and uh, wanting to learn more about uh, these types of opportunities. Yeah, and that's a really integral piece in that ecosystem mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, homeless services and a great source of data, too. You know, we, we can't help but think about the data uh, whenever we're talking about different programs. And so to imagine... You know, five years of experience in Atlanta going, okay, you know, what, what sticks, what works, what jobs seem to work entry level, then, then what can you move someone to, where can folks advance, and to be able to build up data that helps you place someone successfully, I mean, mm-hmm. that's just incredible work. And at a meaningful scale, I think one of the challenges with really good yes. social yeah. programs is often that they have incredible results for 10 people. Yep. Um, one of the amazing things about what First Step has been able to do in Atlanta, they're employing 1,000 people a day. What? 
They have a thousand people on their payroll at any given day. Wow, that yeah. is impressive. Not insubstantial. Well, and it, well, it's also me- really market responsive too, right? You imagine like temp agencies or staffing agencies, whatever you've come to know them as. If you have someone transitioning out of, you know, experiencing homelessness, and you can get them a job tomorrow, like mm-hmm. folks call temp agencies, staffing agencies, because they need call center reps for the holidays, right. or they, right. you know, they have yeah. big staffing, fast staffing needs. You're not someone who's showing up every day to reapply for jobs, and we, it gives you that momentum. It gets you in, and then the staffing agency knows this is a six-week contract. What's coming up next? Yep. It really, you can imagine how this really changes the the experience for the individual experience of homelessness. I, I think it's also, you know, there's a good lesson in it for how you enter a market. Um, you know, lots mm-hmm. of folks have success show up and say. You know, we'll build. You know, we build it. They will come. Uh, it's a good example of how uh, you you take a really good, impactful idea you've, for which you have all the data, and you don't forget about community. You understand that you have to understand the the local market in which you're going to be, what the mm-hmm. how the needs vary from where where you've been, um, and really bring the value to the table. Uh, and uh, it's been a, an amazing cross sector effort to uh, uh, to find and help them pave the way uh, into this market. I mean, it, it, the, the, uh, uh, the, I think there's a real opportunity to uh, look at how um, uh, organizations sort of come into community. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We're missing a lot of opportunity because organizations aren't taking the opportunity to really uh, understand uh, to understand and re- reach out. It's just a little bit more work. You've done an enormous <laughs> amount to build to build an, yeah. uh, build build a project to get it to that point, and uh, and it really is, I think, going to be a, a remarkable uh, uh, scale story. Well, and that's one of the things I like about the, this story um, is that, as Andy points out, it, it does have scale in ways that um, many other kind of nonprofits may not. But it also has some of that scale because it has a revenue model, right? Uh-huh. So it is, it's offering a service that other people are paying for, and it's not then fully relying on grants and everything. So it right. isn't coming in and cannibalizing. And this, it's a blended revenue model, right. but which is not pure market, right? right. So right. you have to understand the different markets in which you're working. Yeah, and and when you're investing, it's great to know that you've got people who mm-hmm. get that and working with underwriters who – uh, uh, can help them do that. Sure. And I have a quick question. Andy, you referenced that, you know, Pedro had the opportunity to work with his organization in a few different ways, and including, you know, the funding that came through this new Phila Impact Fund. Pedro, what were your other engagement points with this organization that might have helped to inform how this investment was done or, you know, inform the due diligence process that um, having a foundation, a community foundation involved in financing really helped, you know, what else did it bring to the table? So I think our earlier involvement's really been on the civic and community side. We host the cross-sector effort of people who are uh, uh, involved in combating homelessness uh, at our space. We we are often a place to bring together uh, business, the nonprofit, uh, government uh, sector. And that's really, I think, what was magical here is that you had – I mean, I've done a stint in government. It was magical to have the coordination within the government around this. It was magical to have the business community understand the opportunity and rally around it. I I co-chair, we, the Philadelphia Foundation with Comcast here, uh, co-chair something 
called the Roadmap for Growth. One of our three pillars in there was addressing vulnerable populations, very mm-hmm. focused on the homeless. That committee ended up being a very important part of the the convening sure. of the community yeah. in advance of first step uh, uh, coming in mm-hmm. and really creating the the momentum and the buy in and sort of uh, informing the road show, if you will. Uh, in advance of the actual uh, their actual investment here, they had to have they were about they were going to make a significant investment. Totally, they had to yeah. understand that the market that the market was willing. It's a comp, you know, as we're ta- dealing with an arena where the revenue sources are complex. So you wanted to make sure that all parts of that really uh, were ready. So that I think that was that that's more valuable. You know, we're happy now through the fund to put capital into it, but we think that. The you know the the greatest work was that uh, uh, cross you know cross sector collaboration and uh, and uh, and focus that that uh, lots of lots of organizations help bring to the effort. And Andy, you are uh, the investment fund is is local mm-hmm. and it has done a lot of local work, but you also do a lot of national investments as well in other areas. Yeah. So how do how do communities, if we're thinking about place based investing, how do communities get? Um, stronger and more effective at identifying these kinds of opportunities of something that's going on in Atlanta that could be moved into Philadelphia of a way that somebody else is doing an investment that could be relevant here. How do you, how do we get better at identifying those opportunities? You know, I'm not sure if that's how I'd frame the question. Honestly, I think the thing that made Philadelphia ripe for this kind of thing to happen wasn't that We'd gotten good at identifying the, um, the the specific thing from Atlanta that needed to come here. Mm-hmm. That what we did was we created fertile soil for something to want to be here, right? You think about Silicon right. Valley; it, they have a yeah. bunch of pieces that make big tech want to be there, right? They have the venture capital and the Stanford and the Dogs bonkers and offices, bonkers housing market. <laughs> I don't know. There, there, there was a problem in search of a solution. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, you often have a solution in search of a problem. Frankly. Right. Exactly. And exactly. and this really was a you know a, a an identified problem for which a lot of people were seeking solutions. And and with reinvestment fund, you've got a national platform. So yeah. one of the ways that you know regionally based organizations like the ones involved in this were able to benefit was tapping the national uh, platform, the national perspective of, of a reinvestment fund. But, you know, very importantly, it you know it, it helps when when people know what it is that that they're trying to uh, challenge uh, to tackle and are looking for for the best around the country. So and there's I'm, a really yeah. I also want to add there was a really well networked local community that had been good at defining what the problems were, what we had local solutions for, what we didn't have local solutions for. So folks on the ground who were already in the homeless services world were able to very quickly go, "Yep, we can see that that is additive." To what we currently have, let's figure out how to embrace it. We're already mobilized in figuring out how to work with funders. We're already figured mobilized in figuring out how to work with government, and so those um, pieces of the puzzle that needed to come together to make that thing work all came together in yeah. the way that if you're you know a startup founder, stuff comes together for you in Silicon Valley in a particular way. And that's a really fascinating way to, to think about it. And I know we're getting to the end of the segment, but it really is in some sense sort of saying part of what the the fund is can do is help to demonstrate that there is this opportunity. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really a proof of concept. Here's what we can do. We've got this coalition. Think about us as you're thinking about expansion and other opportunities. Yeah, I think that's right. I think one of the things, for example, one of the, 
you implicitly assume that one of the reasons that you can buy a house is because you know that you can get a mortgage. That's a set market where there's an expectation of capital. You know how it works. You know how to get it. You know what it's for. Um, that has not always been the case in yep. the impact investment world. Knowing that there is that platform out there for you is a part of incentivizing people to imagine that they can be impact entrepreneurs, for-profit, non-profit in any space. So sort of creating, being part of creating that ecosystem, and we're doing it, and Impact PHL and others are doing it, but but laying the groundwork for that ecosystem is part of, of growing it. Yep. And you can be talking about employment, food, deserts, healthcare, literacy, it all transfers. And, and uh, you know, like other urban areas, these are, you know, we don't have any shortage of challenges that could be met with this type of approach. And uh, uh, we think it's, you know, we're looking forward to being able to, frankly, stimulate greater interest and greater capital to be able to, to imp- great, achieve greater impact faster. Yeah, so we've got the, the knowledge of the problems. We've got the sort of uh, evidence that there's a, a broad-based coalition that can help make things happen. All we need is the entrepreneur or the whatever to plug in and say, yep, that's where I'm going. Yeah. Well, Sadly, we, that's the hardest part, but yeah. Well, that's, why we're to- that's why we're talking about it on the show. It's yeah. that we're going to bring all those entrepreneurs thinking about Philadelphia. Yeah, and that's the beauty of the ecosystem view, right? You guys are taking a systems-level view saying, here are all the components. We've got this one. We've got this one. You know, Philadelphia is a market looking for these. So we could continue this conversation for a very long time um, because it's such exciting work. But we're lucky to be neighbors here in Philadelphia. (laughs) So we'll follow along with the work. We'll make sure we're telling the story, tweeting and um, continuing to let our listeners and uh, students and others know what you guys are doing. Andy Racklin and Pedro Ramos, thanks so much for being with us here to talk about the Phila Impact Fund and your great work. Uh, we've really enjoyed our conversation. And if it, if somebody wants to learn more about it, where where did they go? Uh, for the Philadelphia Foundation, philafound.org. Okay. So or then the reinvestment fund, reinvestment.com. Okay, so you, you can, can go under either, either, mm-hmm. either of the sites, learn more about the fund, put your money in, and make Philadelphia better. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.